Welcome to a Lunch with Biggie, a podcast about small business and creatives sharing their stories and inspiring you. Today, my guest is someone I admire. I've known him for over 10 years, and even though he's not a chef, he has run two restaurants, one in a food truck and the other for the past eight years in Urban Barbacoa here in Orlando. He's looking to add more restaurant concepts to his arsenal. Please welcome Thomas Ward of Pig Floyd's. What's going on, Thomas? Hey, man. What's going on? Long, long history between us. Yeah, man. Very, very long history. It's a great. Uh, it's been so great. W- first question I ask everybody, what's your, uh, what's your go-to sandwich? Oof. Um, the Chimu. <laughs> I knew you were going to. I didn't think. I was not actually expecting you to say that, but okay. <laughs> the reason it's funny is because um, that is my favorite sandwich. Uh, it is my favorite sandwich. Yeah. I've called it my favorite sandwich. Anytime anyone ever asks me what my favorite sandwich is, that is the answer. And the reason why it's even funnier is that um, it doesn't exist anymore. So It will. So it will. I'm actually bringing my chef back to work with us, and that's one of the first things he's gonna really. Do. Yeah, he's gonna bring that sandwich back. That is like my um. That yeah, it, it's it's time. It's yeah. it's a good time. I yeah. think it'll fit right. the 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 issue for us is just bringing the bread, so mm-hmm. we got to figure that out. But yeah. I I think that was a great sandwich. It is, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about it. So <laughs> definitely. Uh, so let's. So so basically, I want to kind of start off with kind of telling everybody a little bit about how you kind of started because what's amazing about your story and what I think at the end of the day, that's like, just, I'm just kind of really curious to see what the secret recipe or the secret sauce is for you because you, you're not a chef Mm-mm. yet. You have, you started an ama- you started a food truck, which you started treehouse truck in like about, what is it? 20 in 2011, 2011, March uh, 15, 2011. So you started the food truck. What made you start treehouse truck? Um, I got fired by my father may 2010 from the supermarket business not because i did something wrong um but what i what happened was that i i have a big family i have four sisters and you know at that time it was me and my sister carol involved in the business and uh i was young um you know i thought very highly of myself yeah um and i said if i'm working i was working ridiculous hours i was working seven days a week 15 hours a day um and i was saying like if you don't give me a portion of the company i don't want to keep working these hours because i don't know what my future entails right um and you know how families are when something happens it's it and there's money involved it's ugly so i didn't want that for us and I decided that I wanted to buy a supermarket. Uh, and I went through the whole process because actually the owner of the supermarket was one of my friend's dads, uh, his dad. And I went to a meeting, I asked for the information and I, stri- I I went like, you know, I'm straightforward. I said, sir, I don't have the money to buy this, but I'm going to go out and look for it. Yeah. And then I'll buy it. Right. He proceeded to call my dad. And he said, your son's nuts. What is he trying to do? Um, my dad wanted, I think it was it was a great lesson. He wanted to teach me a lesson. So he decided that day that he was going to let me go. And the next day he went and bought the supermarket. Okay. 
Now, granted, let me tell you, I showed the supermarket to him probably six, seven times. And every time he said no, that it was a piece of shit. Can I? Yeah. Can I curse? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember when, you know, his, his money manager calls me. This was this all happened Thursday, Friday. He buys the supermarket. His money manager calls me on Saturday and says, hey, your dad's willing to offer you a percentage of this store. And I said, tell my dad to stick it. I have a plane ticket to Miami on Monday. I'm leaving the island. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be involved. We we actually had a chat before I left. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had to go out and look for my, you know, my future. Mm-hmm. And uh, I came back to the States and, you know, it was a tough time because 2010 here, there wasn't a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to continue in the supermarket business and learn so that I could come back. Um, it took me about, I want to say, four or five months to find a job with Fresh Market. Um, and I went to work at their store in Coconut Grove in Miami. Okay. Um, and they had offered me a position that basically was going to translate into becoming a manager of the store that they were opening in my, they were opening in Miami in South Beach. Um, but then I found out that the plans for that store were delayed and I couldn't wait with what they were paying me because it would have been rough to live in Miami with that, that Mm -hmm. wage. Um, so I moved back to Orlando and at that point I remember like I was trying to, like, I was really scattered. I didn't know what to do. And, um, at that point I decided, you know what, I'm going to open a food truck which was like a huge trend it was becoming a, a trend here in Orlando. It was, it was just... yeah. At that well, at that point, believe it or not, I think there was there might have been one truck. I was gonna say you you were you were one of the first food trucks I ate in Orlando. Yeah. Um. So you were like you literally kind of jumped on the wave before it even became a wave. Yes, I did, and I don't know if it's. I, I mean, I'm. I guess it's good, right? Because. I paid my dues. I mean, I, I was sitting on the side of a gas station selling selling sandwiches. You know? yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started. I, I called a friend. I asked I asked him to borrow some money. Um, till this day, I, I can't believe he actually did the deal. He went and sold his car and gave me the money. No contract, handshake deal. Crazy stuff. Like, I could, I still don't believe that he did it, but... I'm forever grateful to him, and um, and that it, it didn't turn out to be enough money. And I remember that I called three other friends and I told them I need you to give me five grand to open a food truck. Don't worry about it. I'll I'll guarantee it. You know, I'll guarantee yeah. your return. Um, and they were like, sure. They sent me the money. No contract. No questions asked. Handshake deal. So I've always worked that way. Um, and every single one of them got paid back. So that was a success. Yeah. Um, so I opened the truck. Again, I had no prior knowledge. Um, I didn't even know how to turn the fryer on the first day. Dude, it's, I'm amazed by that. I'm amazed by the fact that you're... The, the one thing that I, I think that I, I admire most about you is your persistency. Like you, there, there is no, there is no, um, I pretty much just say there is no failure for you. You will continue to find a way to make things happen. I, I, yeah, yeah. I just think, I just think a lot of people find a bunch of excuses Mm -hmm. to give up 
and I think they're those bunch of excuses. Like it, when you look at them, they're really they really have no substance to yeah. them, right? Um, at the end of the day, right, you're trying to make a living, and you obviously want to be successful at whatever you're doing. Is it a job working for somebody else? I've never had a job other than Fresh Market for three months, and I think in college I worked for Lacoste, but like I didn't like working for anybody else. Yeah, right. Um, maybe it's because I was I was born into a family that my dad is an entrepreneur. I was gonna say that uh, he's self-made. Yeah, that's definitely something I've I've concluded and learned. And I actually, it's funny because I came to that thought process of like how important it is to have someone in your journey that um, inspires you or to kind of giving you create that kind of pathway or experience. And uh, when I was listening to actually your podcast with your dad, that was the thing where at my trigger point where I realized it, um, where I kind of was like, wow, I'm like. There, there's there's definitely an element to this where I actually know that the importance of being able to actually be able to have someone, I guess, kind of build that. Because if sometimes if you don't have like my family, my fam, no one in my family was entrepreneurial. Like, mm-hmm. so like I never knew the chance of taking risk or certain elements to do certain things. Those are things that either you're innately going to do or not do. Um, so it's kind of interesting when I saw like how I when I heard that about your dad with your dad, because. He, when you have like beyond, is it with beyond the smoke, mm. um, is your podcast, which is obviously really good. And you can definitely hear more about his story. I'm not going to, my goal is not to make replicate what he's done in his podcast. So definitely check his podcast out. But, um, but I am very, it was amazing to be able to see what you've done and, uh, and created because, you know, like you said, you found a way to make it on a food truck that you had no idea what the heck you were doing on. I, I have to tell you though, that, and I, and I do it here. I don't do it often. I have to give props to my dad. Um, even though sometimes I felt at that point that he was being a little bit harsh and hard, um, he, he made me realize obviously the important fact that failure isn't all that bad. Okay. Um, I remember when I was, I, I tell this story cause I think it's important when I was 21 years old and I graduated from college, I went to sell real estate and I remember the first month that I was working, I made 150,000 bucks cause it was a great market. Yeah. Right. And I, I, at the same time was investing with my dad and buying properties and stuff like that. So I made money quick and then I had properties and then. You know, my dad had just sold his company for a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So I had what's called the rich kid syndrome. Yeah. Right. And I've always lived a pretty privileged life. Um, My, you know, I went crazy in the sense I didn't drink or do drugs, but I bought, I bought four cars. I remember my, my car bills were $9,000 a month. Wow. And, you know, at 20, 21, 22, you're making money and you're spending it really quick because you're young. And all of a sudden, when that market turned around, you know, I had this belief that anything wrong that happened to me, I had backup, you know, with my dad having the money to be able to pay whatever yeah. issue. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever told him this, but I, I probably appreciate it now more than ever at 38 that he he didn't fix my problem yeah um it sucked 
mm-hmm. for many years. Like you know, when you when you when you get yourself in financial trouble, and you got to get yourself out of it, you know, it's hard, and you suffer the consequences for years. I never went bankrupt. I negotiated out of everything. Um, but still, I had to pay the price. Yeah, and that that process to me was very painful. Uh, but it's it's really what created um, who I am today, um, and and helped me look at it differently, right? Because yeah. people, a lot of people, I believe, fear uh, you know failing, yeah, because you don't know the consequences of it. And you don't know what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. you think that everything is bad. And not everything is bad. Like the worst that I always thought, right? It's like, oh, well, I'm, I, I won't have a house. I won't have a car. I won't have, like, I can't do anything. Like, dude, none of that happened. I had a bed. Yeah. I had a car. And I was able to eat. Yeah. Like my life continued just in a different way. Yeah. Um, and it was temporary and... um obviously i i got out of that but i think i i think and i tell the younger the younger cats or whoever asked me for for my opinion i always say you know a lot of people have a lot of noise and all that noise is basically what talks you out of going into business by yourself or taking the leap of faith in yourself yeah and that noise really is powerful mm-hmm. right because it's 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 really telling you what you, oh, you can't do it you can't do it and for me it was like yeah fuck it i'm gonna do it yeah i don't care like i'll figure it out i watch so many youtube videos on how to turn on that fryer and that mentality definitely kind of plays a part because so you sell you sell the truck yeah, and then once you sell the truck, you go back to you go back to Puerto Rico. I do, and um, and then you basically come up with like a concept for inside your dad inside like basically groceries, like a restaurant inside of grocery stores, right? Yeah, he built a brand new grocery store that was really. I mean, I think it was way ahead of its time for Puerto Rico, and in the back, I did a concept basically that was what you would consider East End. Mm-hmm. But I owned all the businesses. All, the, all of yeah. them. Yeah, which I think is awesome because it gave everyone a little bit of different taste of flavors of food and stuff. You could get six different cuisines yeah. in the space. Super successful. I was killing it. And then the building that we had we had built this supermarket in was new. And the guy that was doing the building went bankrupt. And there was this group that bought bought the building out and we tried to work with them but it didn't work out and all of a sudden they you know they show up and they go like hey uh your lease is null and void yeah um and i said wow there's a bank involved and they said we already talked to your bank we bought the we bought the equipment that's in there yeah they're like sorry you don't have a business anymore. yeah you don't have a business anymore so it's it it at that time obviously you're thinking you know i'm over i'm done Um, but I think in that there was the best opportunity ever for me, um, because obviously I, uh, you know, you see that failure as like, holy shit, like I, I'm done. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I, I 
I moved back to Orlando three days later after I closed down. And um, I started asking some people that were in the food truck, like, what should I do? The only thing that I know how to do is restaurants. Yeah. And they said, oh, you should go into barbecue. And I was like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be yeah. honest with you when I, cause the f- amazing part is this, once again, you're not a chef. You like, I'm you're not. learning how to do this stuff on YouTube. And I remember, I remember when you first started, you kept asking questions on Facebook of like, Hey, anyone have a good recipe for this or a good recipe for that? You were basically just getting anybody's information. You just basically wanted to soak up as much information about barbecue. Mm-hmm. And I remember you would do stuff in your house, try to like figure out ways and recipes yeah. of food. Um, and then you basically were like, yeah, I'm going to open a barbecue place. Yeah. And I, I, I still remember because I remember driving on, on the road that it's off, it's off of mills. And I remember driving and seeing like, as you were building, trying to build the place and I could see you. Cause the one thing about Thomas, if you've never met him, the reason the truck was called Treehouse is because <laughs> Thomas is super tall. So like, you can't really not miss him. Um, so it's kind of, you know, but yeah, I, I find it to be very interesting that you kind of went the route of, Hey, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make a barbecue joint. But the thing was, which I, I love is the fact that you were like, I'm not going to do a barbecue joint like the traditional bub- barbecue joint. You're going to do one like urban barbacoa. So tell people a little bit about what made you think to go do some do barbecue, but do it your way. I actually don't want to take responsibility for that because okay. I, I have to give props to my dad. Um, my dad was involved at the beginning. Obviously, the name was Pig Floyd Smokehouse. I was gonna be a traditional barbecue place, um, but when we op- like when we were building out the location, he mentioned that we should go and try to figure out how to do something different because you didn't want to be the same as everybody else. And I was reluctant. I was like, "Nah, I don't want to do it. I I really don't want to do it." I was like, Four Rivers at that time, they were killing it very traditional doing out ridiculous amount of sales out of their building in Fairbanks. Yes. Um, he, I think at that point he was expanding and I was like, no, I just want to do, I just want to, you know, beat him at his own game. Which also was the fact that you were in a spot in a part of the community. Like you picked a great location and I know like based on hearing other things, but like a great location right now based on where it was because mm-hmm. there was nothing barbecue nearby. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. actually picked a, something that was needed in the community and you put it there and then you put your spin on it. And what's amazing, give people an idea of like what it is, you know, obviously what if you were to go there, what would be considered urban urban barbacoa in the sense of what you decided to what was your spin on it? Well, the sides play yeah. a big role. I mean, barbecue is, is really funny because when you look at it, um, barbecue is nationwide. Yeah. But the funny thing about it is that it's just different in different areas. So, like, when you look at barbecue in Texas, sides are not really important. Yeah. The meat is what it is. Um, but in Florida, the funny thing is that people love sides. They go to the barbecue restaurant more for the sides than I think for the meat. Mm-hmm. Um, so we changed it up and we brought in, you know, what I grew up in, which yeah. is the rice and beans, the plantains, the fried yuca and stuff like that. Yep. And some of the stuff that was on the menu, you know, the sides that were on the menu, like the, the apple fennel slaw, um, Mexican corn. Yeah. The Mexican corn and stuff like that were, 
were really things that came about in meetings and you know the apple fennel saw recipe was actually a gentleman that was working with us at the beginning and he brought in the recipe and the rice and beans i decided to go with black beans instead of red beans because people recognize black beans more um so it was it was really strategic in that sense and at the same time you know we brought in something that no other barbecue restaurant at that time had which was tacos yeah. right and i got called crazy um that it wasn't going to work but you know i i i want to say that i'm pretty strategic at things but one of the advantages that i feel i have is that i grew up with four women as sisters okay and i have eight nieces and nephews and i think a lot of people don't envision how how this business is is partly scientific okay in a sense that you got to recognize who your demographic is mm -hmm. and you got to kind of go for that like really focus on who the people that are coming to your restaurant are um so from the beginning until this day you know whatever concept i do it's more focused towards women interesting because I think women make the decision to come to the restaurant with you, their family. If you can't get a buy-in from your, your done, wife, you're, right? you're not eating there. You might exactly. as well go by yourself. So one of the things that barbecue is not sexy for is for women. Yeah. So we were trying to figure out how to make barbecue sexy for women to decide to come to the restaurant. And that's where we brought in the tacos. And that's where we brought in those sides that, that I think share yeah. the importance, yeah. you know, when you when you go to chipotle it's literally rice and beans you know obviously it's not totally mexican it's yeah. tex-mex but yeah. it attracts everybody and that's also probably would make sense then why the idea of the bento boxes are so popular actually the bento boxes believe it or not were were a mistake that i discovered in a dinner with jason the owner Ospi tavern and sato sushi yeah um, we went to a dinner and, and I remember him mentioning to me that he, when he decided to go a different route with Sato and go a little bit upper scale, he took the bento boxes out and lost a ton of sales. And I remember picking up my phone and I go, where the hell did you buy those bento boxes? And I bought 25 of them in front of his face. <laughs> okay. And I had this gentleman that was working for me from Darden that I had brought him in because I was expanding to Nona and I was going to open more stores. And I said, um, his name's Mark. Mark, I bought 25 bento boxes. They come in three days. Figure it out. I want to put them on the menu. Price them. And he said, it's not going to work. I said, I don't, I don't care if you think it's going to work. I already bought them. We're going to put them on the menu and this is really what's going to put us in the right price bracket so that we cover from the lower end to the higher end, which is ribs because yep. ribs are the most expensive item on the menu. Yep. So we really balanced the menu at that point. So I can't, you know, I think a lot of people think that you have to come up with everything and you don't have to come up with everything. You just have to kind of organize the ideas that different people have yeah, and then finally execute. Let's also be open to them. Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, it's funny. I'm not going to say names, but I, <laughs> recently I had something happen to me. Um, I was looking to buy 
a business. Okay. Um, and so I called the agent. I said, Hey, I, I scheduled me a time so I could go see the business. Yeah. I mean, it's a restaurant and he goes, they actually don't want to sell the business to you. And I said, wow. Okay. Do they know me? No, they don't know you, but you're not a chef and they think you're loud and obnoxious. Wow. I think that's funny because they don't know me. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's, it has to do in the restaurant business. The respect for chefs is, is obviously extremely important. Yeah. And I respect everybody that's a chef and I've always protected that. When people say chef, I always tell them, no, I'm not a chef. Mm -hmm. I'm just a business guy that likes to eat. Yeah. Um, Cause I have a lot of respect for people that have paid that price that have worked really hard. But I can tell you that I've been in a kitchen. I've worked in a food truck. I've, I've paid my dues in that sense. Yeah. Am I in a kitchen nowadays? No. Do I want to be in a kitchen nowadays? No, not my place. No, not my place. But I think a lot of people think that it's just like, that's what you're supposed to do yeah. when you open a restaurant. Yeah. It's supposed to be like that. If you want to open one, that's what I was going to say. If you wanted one, then I could understand that, but not, not what you're trying to do. Yeah, I don't, I, I, you know, whatever business I go into now, especially now, I always position it with anybody telling them that I don't want to build one. I'm going in it because I want to build a hundred. So that makes sense. What, um, so one of the things that I will say to you that I, that I love the most, because obviously I know quite a few restaurant owners is that you you have an obsession. You have an obsession um, with, when it comes to, which I think is super important. That's one of the things I appreciate. An obsession when it comes to the quality of food and the service. Like I definitely, like anytime I've ever, ever posted on a social that I went and ate at your place or you know that I'm eating at, my pl at your place, I'm always getting a message from you. How is the food? How is the service? Um, and I think it's super important because one of the things that you brought up and I thought was, you know, and when in our previous episode that you recorded uh, when I asked four questions to you and you asked them, um, it really caught my attention because you brought up the topic about how difficult it is to try to keep consistency when you have the same menu all the time and how important it is to keep everyone motivated, to keep them in line, to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's just something so valuable to be able to have because you know, you're right. You're doing, I mean, obviously occasionally you have your specials, but in reality, you got to keep everyone consistently trying to be perfect at every single time, especially when you're a small business. Yeah. If, if let's, I'll use this example because I think it was the perfect one. I saw it in a speech the other day. I, I watch a lot of motivational videos on YouTube and I was watching it late night and there there's this, this speech that an Admiral gave at the university of Texas, I believe. Uh, where he talks that you should make your bed every morning. Um, if we relate it to that, to food, think about it as you're making your bed every morning and they're checking to see if it's right. And I want to, I want to bet that you make the bed a different way every day. And probably let's say out of 10 times that you do your bed, two of them are going to be wrong. So. I always play what's called the percentage game. And I relate it to people when they talk to me about opening a restaurant. I said, 
if you're there all the time, you're probably running it at 95%. I'm not here all the time, so I'm running it at, you know, high 80s. I don't want to say that our staff is not doing their job. They yeah. are. It's just there's a lot of things that slip. Yeah, it's different. Right? It's the the way that we look at stuff is different. Yesterday, I was sitting at the bar. Um, obviously, everybody's doing their job, right? But I, I have this thing that I listen to people. Talk, when, when I hear they're talking about the food, I listen closely and see what happens. So this lady was sitting right behind me, and she said to the person that was with her, you know, this restaurant's really good, but the brisket was too fatty, right? Which is something I know that you battle. Um, yeah, you battle every time. Like, do you want yeah. fatty or do you want lean? It's yeah. like, it's- You can't it, win that it, one. No one, it, yeah, right. it's a- it's, it's not a winning proposition. Mm-hmm. So um, very quietly, I, I told one of the staff members, please ask for, you know, three ounces of brisket, put it in a to-go container and take it to the table. Don't say anything else, right? She did it. And the lady's like, oh, that was very nice. And I turned around and I said, ma'am, I heard you when you said the brisket was fatty. And the change in the attitude that she had was, you know, what happens every time. Now, now, she knows that I care. Yeah. And she knows how important this is to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's something that I really don't understand, you know, in, in, I want to say operators, because obviously there's other operators and, and businesses. It's just how you do people not care about what's putting food in their table. Yeah. Right. It's the same thing that they asked me about reviews. Like I am a stickler for reviews. Um, I love people giving us feedback, Mm -hmm. but if the review is bad, you're probably going to get a message from me and I'll go as far as to bring you food to your house that moment. I don't care what I'm doing. I might leave the restaurant that I'm at and I might bring you food and make it right. Yeah. And I think that's very important, but you know, it's the small things. It's just, it's just all the small things that, that you have to, you have to keep up with. And that's, that's the only thing that I can tell you that drives me wild about this business is that there's so many moving parts and so many small things that you know you're you're dealing with people's palates and everybody has a very different palate. Mm-hmm. Everybody grew up a different way. Everybody's black bean grandma's black beans are different than my beans. Yeah. And that's being like for example black beans that's everybody compares me to their grandma's recipe. Yeah, that and the or rice. Or their mom's recipe. That and the rice. Yeah, yeah, that and the rice. So I always say, like, did I beat them? Yeah, did yeah. I do good? You know? Um, and that's that's the funny part about it. And I enjoy it. Obviously, I'm not in this business because I don't enjoy it. Yeah. And I'm and I'm getting deeper into it. So um, it seems like it's, it's, it's what I really like to do. Yeah. No, that's a good thing, though. I see. I've always seen it. I've always seen it, even when it's not just me and you and I have known each other for so long because i've seen you do it like when you're always walking around and trying to get feedback wanting to find out you're very good as well when you know the beauty of it is like if we come back and say something like oh i kind of you know i didn't like this as much this time you always then come back and like well how can we make it better what did you think so it's always interesting because you're always grabbing that feedback Mm -hmm. um what do you think it is that doesn't like why do you think most businesses don't make it or succeed 
Um, I think in general, I th- like I said, the noise. The noise is really, like, you know, a lot of business owners go into it thinking that they're just going to start it and then somebody else is going to run it for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like that. I mean, this, I mean, I've, I've given up a lot of things for this business a lot. Um, so it's kind of an exchange, right? Yeah. It's an exchange for your time and your dedication. Like I'm 38 years old. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I've dedicated the majority of my thirties for, for pig Floyd's. Yeah. Um, obviously my vision is totally different now at 38 than at, you know, 28, but I've dedicated a lot to the business and now I'm just trying to figure out how to do it intelligently. Yeah. Um, if, if you want to relate it, it's the same way, you know, when, when basketball stars start out, they're rookies, they're giving it their all. They work really hard because they want to make that big contract. And yeah. some of them, when they get the big contract, it's done. Yeah. They get become fat cats. They, they become don't do fat anything. cats. Yeah. They don't do anything. Others, that gives them, you know, the ability to to move forward comfortably. Now, they, they're secure. So they even work harder. And then you see, obviously, there's the stars. And, you know, the there's guys. There's a different level there. There's a different level. So at this point in my life, like one of my mentors i i try to hang out with him however 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 many times i can because i just like to be surrounded by him thinking how big he is in terms of the restaurant business he's 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 pretty big and he's self-made and he's failed a lot of times but and he accepts it he's open about it yeah um there's no secrets or stuff like that so I just want to be surrounded at this point now, people that really want to grow and people that are really, really dedicated to their business and want, want to be big. Like yeah. I, I, if, if I was in the NBA, I don't, I wouldn't want to be one of these fat cats. I would be like to be the star. Right? Yeah. So I get it. What I'm um, talking about failure. I'm just kind of mm-hmm. curious on how, because the thing is this, when it comes to you, well, Two, I kind of want to. You brought up failure, so I will bring up that, and then I'm going to ask, talk to you about like how. No, bring it up. No, no, I think I, it's important that people realize. So, so one of the things that's amazing is okay. So obviously, you're like you mentioned earlier, your your thought process is, I'm gonna, I want to make this, um, you know, a, a larger brand. I want to be able to take it and and do multiple units on this. Hmm. Um, you obviously expanded at one point to kind of like. Cause I, and I, and I can only imagine when people, what happens is everyone, when you have the, your spot, everyone's like, oh, you should bring one here. You should bring one here. And then I know you were, you've looked, you're always looking at locations, um, and always trying to look to see like, where can I go and do the next thing? You did do that at one location, um, which is like in a, in a neighborhood that's, you know, in an area that's like everyone kind of probably like one of the popular areas called Lake Mm -hmm. Nona. Mm -hmm. Um, you were there. I obviously loved it because it was, I was like, both of them are the same location, but I, you know, we would go to both of them. There was a different feel to one compared to the other. Um, but obviously at the end of the day, especially when the pandemic hit, you kind of had to make a pivot and had to make a decision. Mm. Um, how hard is that when it comes to something like that, when you're kind of going, cause, and I, and I know, and I'm assuming a side of it is also obviously the business side of it, where you're thinking I'm at a, I'm at this location. I'm expecting this much output or sales from mm-hmm. this location. I'm not getting it. 
So I might as well, I'm like, I might as well just take the loss and, and just pull out of it. Is that kind of how it went or how, what goes into that decision-making? Well, it was hard, right? Because there's a lot of factors that people don't see in the background. When you, when you make a lease, you're personally guaranteeing it. So yeah. you got to protect whatever you have. Um, and, and that's scary. I don't go at it scared anymore. Yeah. I'm just like, whatever, you got to do it. Um, I think more than anything, yes, the business at the time when COVID happened, you have to make a tough decision on um, what should I do to keep to keep open, yeah. you know, open in the sense like at that point, we didn't know what was going to happen, right? Because mm -hmm. they closed us and here we are. The restaurant business, everybody thinks that we just have endless amounts of cash in a bank. Yeah. You know, it's never going to end. And the funny thing is that I don't, I don't, I don't think people realize how close huge, you know, huge restaurant companies were on the brink of bankruptcy. Like Cheesecake Factory was really close to bankruptcy. If he didn't do something drastic, well, he did something drastic and he got slapped in the wrist. Mm -hmm. And thank God he did it right. Um, and he paid very little money actually to the. To 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 the FTC, um, you know, at that point it was scary. It was me trying to figure out how do I continue at least having one unit alive. So I decided to close that one quick, in mm -hmm. the sense not close it completely, but just close it yeah. so that I wouldn't have, you know, the only thing that I would be throwing out is you know, a little bit of power, a little bit of this and the rent and then keeping mills open at all times and pivoting Yep. with what we did with the family meals and everything like that. that at that point we went to, I even went to Miami to deliver. Yeah. You were delivering everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as, as the decision, you know, we closed that unit. It was three months when we started opening again, June, I believe it was. At that point, I was, you know, negotiating with the landlord and, and it just didn't work. At the end of the day, it didn't work. It was best for both of us to just go our own way. Yeah. Um, but what happened after that, uh, believe it or not, was very interesting because, you know, I sat at home for two weeks. I didn't even come to Mills that much. Um, and I was just, I don't want to say depressed, but I was rethinking this in my head over and over again, like, what do I do, right? Yeah. Do I just sell the only store that I have? Um, you know, because at that point I had already closed Nona and then move on and go into a different business and see if I can make it there. I probably can, right? Or do I, you know, step back into the restaurant arena and really double down because this is my opportunity right now. And I decided that was the way I was going to do it. Right. And I had been talking with, with my buddy Al yep. about doing a pizzeria and the location that I originally had for pick Floyd's on mills, uh, who is owned now by track shack was up for grabs. And I signed, I signed that lease in December of uh, 2020. And I said, well, I'll do a pizza restaurant. And then I had this list of about seven different concepts with names in one of my notebooks. 
And I decided that, you know, if I can't replicate Pink Floyd's right now, then I'm going to start opening concepts close to Mills yep. so that I can kind of tinker with them and get them ready for expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's going on right now. I yeah. mean, I have Pigza, yep. Pig Floyd's, I have Peggy Floyd's. Luncheonette. Yeah, Luncheonette. Yeah. That's going to be the breakfast and brunch spot. Yep. And then I have a few other several deals working out that if they work out, I think it'd be great. But it's just, it's 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 to the point where now people are telling me like, yo, you're crazy. And I, it's what I, I think it's crazy, but it's crazy good because I kind of, when I heard, when I heard first, first I was like, okay, you're going to do pizza. I was like, and then I was like, okay. And then, but then I was like, well, you're doing it with Al who does pizza and then you're going to do it and you're not doing, you're basically once again, like doing, we're not doing traditional pizza. We're going to, no. you know, you may have like a cheese, yeah. but you're going to do like barbecue is going to be involved in it. It's going to be different. Um, and so I'm hoping there's going to be like a Caribbean type one uh, pizza, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that menu is being developed. Also, I brought Jason back into it as a corporate chef for me. And I think it's, it. you know, that's probably the most fun yeah. time. Um, I always say, I, I always tell everybody the, the the fun time is when you're creating. Mm hmm. The not so fun time is when you're operating. Correct. Right? You, yep. Now you got to deal with a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Um, but listen, uh, we have we have a great group of people working with us. Um, the biggest thing that I always ask them is, "What do you want?" And they all talk about expansion. Yeah. Um, and I always tell them, "There's a big price to pay for that." And are you willing to pay that price? Yes. Okay. Then I'll do it. And I think what I would, and I, I guess one of the thoughts that I loved when I started seeing what you were doing was your concept then would allow you to have, if let's say you, let's say when it, when it, when it comes and happens, when you have, you know, Peggy Floyd's luncheonette and pigza and mm-hmm. you know, you can then go to different cities and literally implement three different concepts into one place which would then hit every single different different kind of market area, right? Um, which is great because that's kind of the idea. Your idea is always from the beginning has been, how can I go and do, create this? How do I make it where I can create this sustainable, same process, food, the experience, hmm. and be able to bring that to people at different areas when I start kind of doing multiple units? Um, I know that yet something like originally theme parks were a thought process of like going to somewhere mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so I think that's amazing how you've been able to kind of use that thought process and, and it's kind of, and it kind of was going to be one of the questions I was going to ask was, so you brought up, there's something that you kind of bring up all the time about kind of like the idea of, um, carrying a check. Hmm. And so my question was going to, one of my (laughs) questions was going to be is I want you to one, tell people a little bit about that concept. But the other part is this, how much is that concept that I guess that check, like, do you, have you. Cause so idea, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm, mm-hmm. and if I'm, if I'm explaining it incorrectly, but the idea of the check is that you basically carry a check to kind of help you give you an idea of like your concept of the value of your business or giving you like a North or a goal of what you think your business is going to be worth. Mm-hmm. So obviously you did one for pig Floyd's. My mm-hmm. question now is, has that number, like, does that number change when you start thinking, when you start going the route of like, okay, now I'm adding pigs, now I'm adding adding this concept and this concept, like how do you kind of keep yourself on there to kind of use that as your motivation? 
So when I wrote the check, it was 2017. My sister, I asked my sister, who's my bookkeeper, write the check for me to my name. And in the bottom, I, I wrote, uh, you know, selling for this check is for selling Treehouse Hospitality Group, which is my management company that owns the restaurants. And I wrote that check for a value of $300 million. And that was for how many? Did you have a, you didn't, yeah. you had like a certain unit? Yeah, it was 50 units. I, that's what I thought. Right. That were doing 2 million a pop. And then I did the quick calculation and decided of how much, how many, we call this in, in, in the restaurant world, when you go out and sell your company, you're selling your company for EBITDA. Okay. Okay. Earnings before taxes and amortization. So whatever the stores are popping out, they pay you times that right and especially if you have a growing brand that they have the capability of really expanding it they pay you a lot of multiples right typically they could pay you till five multiples and mcdonald's i think i've heard it's six seven multiple wow. um but if you have a concept that you can grow they pay you 10 from from 10 to 15 times so i did that math and you know i said you know, I have, I have, I have an opportunity to sell something that has growth. Um, has that check changed? Not yet. I think I'm at a time right now where I'm trying to figure out how to effectively create the machine. Yeah. Um, I think the machine, if I'm able to execute with what I'm trying to do, it will be very effective for me to replicate quick. Um, and, I think a lot of people don't consider the fact that it's very expensive to run a restaurant that you're not close to, mm -hmm. or that's not close to your home base because you got to have management and then you got to travel there and you, and you obviously have executives in the company that have to travel to these restaurants to be consistent, you know, in service and quality of food and everything like that. So it's a big expense to run these. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you have invest, I have investors uh, that are joining us in some of the stores and you know, those investors obviously expect a return. Um, but the most important thing that I, I tell people is just be real, you know, uh, business is a business. It's not always going to go perfect. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm pretty open with with my investors in the sense even even when they're signing up i tell them i give them the disclaimer this is like anything else you invest in the stock market you throw money there and you don't know yeah um i'm a pretty good operator but there there could be mistakes that i make yeah um so just ride along with me and and and, and <clears throat> trust me in the moves that i'm gonna make and eventually hopefully we'll all get a payout when we sell or you know We'll yeah. all make money. But I think that's very important that, you know, I'm, I'm transparent with that. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people right now in this, in this time, they fill, they fill their mind with their eyes, whatever they see. So, you know, if, if you're living a certain way or if the you Instagram. Act, yeah, the Instagram world. So <laughs> a lot of people think like, oh my God, he's, you know, he's rich, even, you know, I remember talking about it like, oh, he's, he's, he's loaded. He's doing great. And it doesn't work that way. You know, it just doesn't work that way. It's not that I'm, I'm loaded. It's just, 
um, I'm trying to create opportunities for not only myself, but forever for, for everybody that works for me. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the things that you also mentioned was like, you wanted to do it to, to kind of give opportunity as well to your staff, mm-hmm. um, as well, which I thought was great. One thing that I, I absolutely loved, um, and saw that you did when you started doing, you obviously leaned forward even more into social and, and all that aspect. Um, but you decided to do a, you decided to do a podcast beyond mm-hmm. the smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, you also did, you're also doing videos beyond the brisket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you've been working with brand crumbs on that, which mm-hmm. I think is amazing. Uh, by the way, I, I, I told Jenna last time I was at Pick Floyd's mm-hmm. that I absolutely love her as, as your co-host. I think she's, oh, yeah, she's the two of you guys good. do a really yeah. good job on it. But what made you guys decide to kind of go that route of giving the behind the scenes of one, the business, but also of of the food? I mean, I obviously love it because I um, obviously do. I actually do kind of a, a concept with both. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you what made you guys decide to do that? Uh, you know, <laughs> I think social media is really tough believe it or not i i i think you it's weird right because people want to see the food but at the same time they get bored when they see too much food Mm -hmm. and then when you put the 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 people aspect into it then they get bored that you're putting the people why are you putting so much people instead of the food and and then during the pandemic it was literally like i considered it a high school competition to see who's who's the prom queen prom king or queen to see who's the coolest because everybody was competing for everybody's attention right i don't think that's an everlasting thing i think that's a very temporary thing and i think that it's very important to position the brand wherever you want to go um jenna had come up with the idea of doing the behind the scenes with vic um, it was a big expense. I decided to do it um, and take the leap. And then eventually I I had talked about doing a podcast and they had already talked about it too. So, um, you know, we just made that happen too. But that was an investment. It wasn't like it's not free. Yeah. So I also took the leap of faith in doing that. What I've discovered is that not only does it open doors, um, but the most important thing about all this is bringing the brand up. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people think that it's about Thomas and I could give no two shits about it. Yeah. To be not. honest with you, it's like, not. I don't, I don't want to be famous. Nope. I don't need, I don't need to be, I'm six, eight. I'm noticed anyways. Yep. Um, so it's really not that I think it's, it's more important for the brand and for whatever project I'm doing in the future. I mean, we did that podcast with Al and that that was literally our way to say that Pigs is coming out. Correct. And it's amazing how much coverage we got out of that. It was a it was great. But the thing also that was important, I think that was great, was it's not just a podcast because you also do it on YouTube. So being able to see the two of you guys interact on YouTube oh, yeah. um, is great as well because it's one of those where just it just kind of makes sense. It uh and so obviously I enjoyed it because I know Al as well. Um, from Stasios and they, you know, so it was, I was excited to see that the two of you guys were teaming up. Cause I was like, Oh crap. I'm like, I love, I love both these places. So I'm like, <laughs> this is going to be fantastic. So, um, I definitely get it. How do you, how do you, ba- how do you balance it all dude? And, and I mean like balance in the sense of like delegation, because like you said, like you, you've obviously created a great support system, mm-hmm. but how do you, how do you just, you know, how do you balance it all? How do you, because I mean, I know your brain doesn't stop. I know you're always thinking, and I know that you're always trying to be like, "What can I do next?" So, how do you how do you handle that? I think 
it, well, I mean, yeah, it's tough. But at the same time, it's very important that you figure out that the most important thing in your life, I, I, I don't believe in balance, Biggie. I don't. I really don't. I don't think there's a balance if you there, want to be there successful. Is there right? is no balance. I don't think there's a balance. I think there's a flow. I think you go with the flow. But one thing I want to tell you is that I I always considered myself or always thought about not being a helicopter parent, mm -hmm. I call it. Um, so the people that I hire, I I really believe that they can do it themselves. Yeah. My manager that I have at the mill store, I truly believe, and I tell him, this is your baby. Yeah. This is not mine. This is one of them. This is your baby, right? So I tell him like, you better, you better make it right, because I can walk in and wash dishes. I don't care. I'll do whatever, bro. Like, if the situation lends itself where I have to be in the store and sleep there, I'll do it. I'm crazy like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when I tell him this, I think they realize that I'm not joking. Yeah. So, you know, I think mostly is creating the trust in the people that work with you that you are going to do what you say you're going to do. Um, another thing is I think you should trust them, right? And I really don't get mad when they make mistakes. I actually like it because I think it teaches them how to make decisions by themselves. Um, I'm not on top of them, yeah. but I do teach them that this is a business and we got to make money. Yeah. And you got to protect the company so that the company protects you. And you can ask any of them, like I am super giving whatever they need. I'll take care of. They're like my kids, but at the same time, I don't want to coddle anybody. I think you have to learn. And if it doesn't work between us, it's fine. I've actually gone out and found jobs for other people and helped them through. And, you know, I've been pretty fair in that sense. But at the end of the day, it's just taking care of the business. Yeah. And the business will take care of you. Makes sense. How yeah. do you how do you handle stress? Man, you know, like it's funny. It's funny. I think I I don't know about you, but as you get older, I think you look at things in the bigger perspective, right? At the end of the day, this is gonna sound terrible, but we're all gonna die. Mm -hmm. Right. So we have a very short time here on earth and I try to focus on the bigger picture, right? I think I think that this is a marathon. I think that this is a real long marathon for me, right? Um, I, th I, I really think in longer term and, and, and in the sense of like the next 20 years, how it's gonna look. And if something happens during the day or whatever, I, I figure, you know, one of two things, look at it, is this really going to affect how the company is going to be in the next 20 years or my life in the next 20 years? And um, is this really going to affect, you know, my daily life in general, right? Yeah. Um, I always say worry about the really, really, really big stuff. Like if you have a health issue. Yeah. Um, everything else I think is fixable to a certain degree. And, and if somebody were to tell me that I would fail, I'm not really scared of restarting. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, it's stressful. Believe me. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's situations that pop up, but I think everything is, you can fix it. 
I mean, yeah. some way or another. Now, you got cancer, it's a different thing. Man. Yeah, my mom always used to say, um, the only thing that you can't resolve is death. Everything yeah. else there's a re there yeah. you can resolve. Yeah. So, makes sense. My dad told me one time, I remember, and I, and I, <laughs> I said it to my girlfriend the other day, we were passing, um, you know, where, como se dice? Un cementerio. Yeah, a, a cemetery. cemetery. Um, we were passing a cemetery, and my dad always said, those people don't have any problems. No. <laughs> That's true. And I said it the other day in the car to her, and she goes, whoa, like, I didn't even think about that. I go, yeah, right? Like, they got no problems. Yeah, it's true. So we, we're, we're going to constantly have situations in life, and I think the most important thing is that we don't get so bothered by it that it really affects our future. Yeah. I think people go through things in their life that really obviously affect the you know affect them for the rest of their life i i i do tell you this i really think and and i've been doing it since i'm 20 years old and i always give a shout out to maureen my psychologist i think people need to go and talk to somebody i really do man because i think more than anything there is situations in your life that you go through that our parents created right correct um we hold our parents in really high esteem mm -hmm. and we love them and we you know obviously they brought us to this world but at the same time they were young they didn't know what the fuck they were doing dude there's no manual for there's no manual there's no parent right. manual. you're a parent i know <laughs> i'm not a parent but i have nieces and nephews and i see my sisters and the struggle that they do with kids and you know, there's no manual. Your parents told you that this is going to happen. And yeah, it happens. But then you don't know how to deal with it, right? Yeah. So I, I really think people need to talk to somebody. And you really need to bring up what's going on. Like, listen, I had, for example, for some time in my life, I had a fear of success. Which I couldn't believe it was a real thing. But it is a real thing. So every time that I was successful at something, I would revert to, nope, this this is too good. Let's ruin it. And I would ruin it. Wow. And there was situations, obviously, me growing up with my parents of, of, you know, nothing bad, but just, you know, the normal stuff that parents just put on you yeah. um, as you grow up. So I always tell everybody, look for help, talk to somebody. It doesn't need to be every day. But just, I think you, you, those are some of the things that really stop you or scare you from moving forward. Yeah. I, I lost the fear of failure early in my life at 21 because like what happened then? Um, and I, and I, and I really think that if you lose that fear of failure and you think that the worst thing that can happen is you go sleep in somebody else's house because you have to rent go do it for a little bit you know even you i i would tell you like if if you sat in front of me and you asked me today what do you think i should do with deli fresh at one point you're gonna have to give it up and just do it yeah just go for it it's really scary yeah it really sucks but it's the best thing that could ever happen to you yeah it's the i tell people that i i unfortunately have a harness right now and the harness you can't really figure out how far you're gonna go without that harness yeah, but you know the heart, obviously it, it, we 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 all we all have different ideas in terms yeah. of our future. But 
you know, I it's it's hard. It's hard to judge anybody else and their position in terms of creating a business because you don't know what happened. Like there's some people out there that go into a business and become really successful. And, you know, they could talk all the shit they want because they're successful. Now, yeah. talk to somebody that has opened a business, failed, and gone back and opened it again and tried again and do this and that. I respect that person more than anybody else. Yeah. That's partly why I respect my mentor. Um, you know, he failed three times. Mentor-wise, question, how, how do you go about, I mean, is it one of those things where obviously in his side, you kind of... I think you reached out to him or kind of through time and uh and showing where you you know kind of like through time you basically show him what you've been doing it's kind of like that's how he became your mentor but how what about like for someone who i don't even know that i i don't even know that he knows that he's my mentor by the way okay i i i, I don't like to tell him that yeah um because i don't need anybody to come fix my problems correct all i want is to be surrounded with somebody that has had success in the business that i'm in and has failed and can share stories because that's the only way that you learn right yeah if that person had failure and they can share to me how the hell they got out of it then it gives me a perspective of okay the worst thing that can happen is i get into this problem how am i going to get out of it yeah and am i going to be able to come out of it successfully i mean he did a bankruptcy for one of his businesses and he came out a millionaire Wow. with the other business that he had developed which is all in the restaurant business so i thought it was i mean that's fucking legendary you're Correct. coming out of a bankruptcy a millionaire yeah um so i i i think i i by the way i reached out to him um but there's other people that have come into my life i think just because i've positioned myself to bring those people to my life i think one of those things that i think does happen is that your energy attracts you know what needs to happen in your life so that it gives you a better idea to what your future is yeah at one point i'll tell you this i thought it was really funny uh, but i get this random call okay about i think it's 2016 and you know it's somebody from darden that i know And she calls me and she tells me, hey, the founder of Yard House that sold to us and now runs one of the biggest divisions in Darden wants to meet you. I go, what? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, he said he wants to meet you. He just literally wants to sit down with you and have lunch so that you guys can catch up. And just, he wants to hear your story. I said, what the, like, is this guy nuts? This guy sold this company for 750 million bucks, runs I don't know how many billion dollars in business, and he wants to talk to me? Yeah. A barbecue guy? Like, I found that to be so interesting, but yeah, I sat with him four or five times. And I remember once that he's he was moving to California. He he decided that he wanted to retire. And I was going through something in my life where my parents were getting divorced and I, you know, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I remember going to, to, to coffee with him and I'm telling him about my parents' divorce and, you know, I'm all worried and crying and bullshit and this, and this guy comes up to me with, you know, he tells me the story about what happened when he just started Yard House, where he was making no money and his wife 
got sick and he didn't even have the heart to tell her that he didn't have the money to cover her expenses. And whatever I was crying about, like I, it, it literally, I dried up and I said, wow, man, like, you know, yeah, change your perspective, change your perspective, change your perspective, change it all the time. That's what I tell people, change your perspective. Cause there's people that are, that probably have had it harder than you, but they've made it through and they made it big. Yep. Like for him, for example, you know, he made it big. Yeah. There was a lot of pain, but there's a lot of pain in anything that you do. Mm -hmm. Anything worthwhile. That's right. And, and that's what I tell my nieces and nephews now that are in their, you know, ones in twenties and my nephew's 16 and all this thing, they, they view social media and everybody that's posting on social media as like, they're successful. How can they be yeah. successful at 21? Yeah. Yeah. All these things that you go like, dude, th these are all smoke and mirrors. Yep. My daughter and I call it for the gram. That's all we call for it. For the gram. Yeah. yeah. For the gram. So I just find... I just find it really interesting how things have changed from when I started in the food truck. I mean, just business is different. The way that people interact is different and the way that people react or actually what is their, their habits has not. Okay. Right. So they act a certain way on social media but mm -hmm. their habit is completely normal yeah. to what has been happening for the last 50 years yeah um so i just find it very interesting you know and 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 obviously i'm i'm a i'm a studious uh i like to study a lot about it um and i love youtube and i love watching videos and yep. i love watching motivation and just trying to find different perspectives so that you know, I, I can figure out the stress, right? The, the daily stress, but believe it or not, I mean, yeah, I, sometimes the stress eats me up. Yeah. Um, I've tried to practice where I leave for one weekend a month where I disconnect kind of to s like leave everything aside for a minute and look at it and rest and look at a different, you know, a different just a different place. It doesn't matter if it's an hour away, but yeah. you just look at a different perspective and, and then come back and, and, and eat the world. But man, it's like, it's like anything. It, I think there's a lot of people that want to do one restaurant. And then there's me <laughs> <laughs> who well, wants to do, who wants to do multiple of one plus two other concepts. Yeah. I, yeah. I want to do more. a lot of stuff. And I want to do, you know, I want to build my own garden. Yeah. And I think there's, it's a possibility. You just have to push and see where it takes you. Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely love it. I'm obviously, um, I'm definitely going to going for the ride and I'll be eating at all of them. So supporting all of them. So <laughs> Thank you, man. I definitely appreciate, appreciate it. Um, I appreciate the time that you spent with me. Um, the last, you know, any last question, anything, last questions or last things that you want to bring up before I tell people, uh, you know, to have you give a moment to tell people where they can find you and follow you. Yeah. I, I, I would like to thank you for your years of support. Oh, you're welcome, man. Um, and for following the story. I think the story, obviously to me, it has more interest and, and I find it fascinating that people like to hear it, you know? Um, I think more than anything, 
everybody should share their story mm -hmm. to a certain degree because I, I, I think, like I said, it brings perspective to what's going on, um, you know, in the small business world. And, um, and, and I thank you for taking an interest in it. I, I don't, I, 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 it's hard for me to believe sometimes that people do have an interest in the story yeah. and how they follow it. Like, and even when they, somebody says hi to me outside of here, I'm still impressed that, listen, I just have right now, I just have one restaurant. I sell barbecue. I'm not a big, like, I'm not a big deal. Um, so, and, but, and I want to keep that way. But here's the thing. I, I will tell you this, Thomas, and, and I could safely say this because I've, basically of i've known you now from inception of treehouse to where you are mm -hmm. there there is there is something about the energy that you you put out um and i know even though like you're you know you're obviously super tall and super big but you do have like you, you do have a, a genuine good heart you're you're like and those things do come out um so therefore and i think it's it's an amazing thing to be able to see um you know perfect case in point my birthday comes, it was, I, I turned, I turned 45 just recently, but I was like, when I turned on my 40th, mm -hmm. my favorite sandwich is what? The mm -hmm. Chimu. So what happens? My wife calls Thomas up and says, Hey Thomas, I was like, my Anthony wants a, Anthony wants a Chimu. And he goes, okay. Yeah. Tell him to come to the restaurant. We're going to eat dinner at the restaurant. He's like, okay, I come, I show up there. What do you do? You freaking make me a Chimu. The thing about the Chimu is that it has like steak. <laughs> he didn't even have that. You basically brought stuff over. I mean, those are the little things that I think to me, obviously I'm always going to appreciate and enjoy, but I also love the fact that from where I've seen you, from where you've started, basically learning how to do it and basically kind of doing it. And, and I'll never forget because I know when it came to Treehouse, at one point someone called it car, car, quote unquote carnival food. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you, you know, and with that concept and I basically to where you are now, I mean, it really is amazing. And the more people that see or hear this story, I think is it should inspire them to be able to say like, well, shit, if he does it, I want to be able to do it. Um, but you also have to be able to kind of, you know, roll up the sleeves and basically get to work. It's not, no, it's, it's, it's always easy to talk about it. It's actually doing it, which is the impressive part. Yeah. And, and having the people around you to be able to do it. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you have to have a lot of people believe in you to be able to push because I can't do this alone. No. And I think that's one of the things that I noticed I've noticed through the years, which is probably something you had to learn how to do, which is get to a point where you now you trust the people and trust them to come up with it. But then at the same time, you don't have the time to do put your hands on everything. So you're kind of like, well, you do it and then show me and then I'll, I'll go from there. Mm -hmm. Because if not, I mean, there's no there's you can't you basically can't grow if you keep doing that. If you keep if you're constantly in the same minutia all the time. So you kind of have to have to be able to delegate and find those right people. Yeah, I, I I think that's the very the the very important part of this, and I I say thank you to them because, you know, I was telling them in a meeting the other day. I I, I think it's funny how these companies, the the big restaurant companies, grow, and then you have executives that haven't actually worked in a restaurant running it. Yeah, and they don't understand how much it sucks sometimes to be in operations. Mm -hmm. So they just roll out these things and they say, you know, forget it. They'll do it. Yeah. We just have to bring it, train them and they'll do it. And it, I, you know, I don't run my company that way because I know how much it sucks. You know, in 2008, after I was doing real estate that I was making tons of money, I ended up working at a golf course, fucking cleaning golf balls. 
Yeah. And parking cars. You think I didn't feel like shit? Yeah. Personally, I did. I mean, here I am. I was making tons of money driving Ferraris and living the big life. And now I'm washing golf golf balls and, and, and having to park somebody else's car. I mean, those are pain points. And you could whoever wants to say anything about it and say like oh my god that sounds so stupid no it's not stupid it sucks yeah it's not what i wanted for my life right so those are the moments that people don't realize that you know it's it's just it's hard man it's it's freaking hard it's freaking hard to work for somebody else and make shit money um it's freaking hard to do your own business and make shit money yeah there's there's no like that's why i say there's no balance like you you could you could you could go out there and, and do your own business and not make a cent correct it's not like a given that you're going to be successful correct so you know you just have to take that risk and then just, just I, I guess reap reap the rewards of whatever you put into it not everybody's going to get lucky i think there's an element of luck and there's an element of timing yeah Timing is really important. Timing is important for a business. Timing is important for relationships. You know, timing is important for kids, even though that kids come when the wrong time. <laughs> Sometimes it never comes at the right time. Never comes at the right time, yeah. but um, that's important. And I think whatever effort you put in is whatever you're going to get out. Good way to end it there. Where, where can people find you and follow you online and come visit you in Orlando? We have on social media, we're in pig. Uh, our handle is pig Floyd's um, pigs on mills, uh, Peggy Floyd's. Um, and then we're located in 1326 North Mills Avenue. Um, and Facebook, you could find us for the names of the different businesses. Um, you say mostly Instagram to be the follow the best. Uh, way yeah. Instagram is probably the most active. I mean, I don't think we do a lot of stuff. We just pass Twitter. Yeah. I don't know if you're, are you active on Twitter? Still? I do some Twitter stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter doesn't seem to be. Twitter's more interactive uh, communication is yeah. what I've gotten. Yeah. It's not really more for like. Post and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. It's not like that. And Instagram is really obviously the photos. Yeah. And With then, some video now because, you know, everyone's sure. trying to do all those things. Reels and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then I haven't, I haven't participated in Snapchat um, and I haven't participated. What's the other one that does the reels? You well, I uh, tech. No, you do TikTok. I do a little TikTok, but I don't get too involved. Yeah, in it. I mean, still, follow, just put just in follow pick, us. <laughs> follow Pick Floyd, and you'll yeah. find it there. Definitely yeah. check out. Um, but you know, that's our show. Thank you so much for Thomas for being a guest um, and having lunch with me. Definitely make sure to check him out online. If, like I said before, definitely check out the podcast Beyond the Smoke as well as also Beyond the Brisket. They're both on YouTube, so you can always do it that way. Or if not, subscribe on his on his as well. Um, if you enjoyed the show, definitely make sure to subscribe to mine. Um, leave a review. If you want support, uh, you want to support me, go check out my brand, Deli Fresh Threads, um, and do some shopping and tell your friends. Thank you. Until next time, keep eating sandwiches and follow your passion. Thanks, guys. <laughs>